Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Somewhere in the universe of Ratatouille. Hey, babe. Yeah, what's up? No, I'm just doing some work. Yeah. Uh, Rezo for tonight? No, no, I've uh, I haven't made anything yet. Uh, do you have anywhere that you you'd like to do? Yeah, I thought you might say that. Um, so I get it. It's uh, I don't okay. I don't I don't love the idea of rats cooking my food. I think is kind of like a good place to start. No, I, I get the message. Anybody can be a cook. It's 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 definitely there. But it's it's rats. Like, are we really are we are we really like people who eat? rats food i don't want to be that couple babe i just i don't i I, it's cute i just don't it's rats this isn't like golden retrievers cooking our food this is this is vermin gotcha two at seven o'clock wow um yeah no this sounds this sounds like a wreck but (laughs) i love you okay all right the rat restaurant this will be this is Good day, everyone. I'm Kyle Moore, and welcome back to The Wreck. This is the podcast where we celebrate a world more mental and destigmatize all things mental health through sharing stories and having what I can only describe as some good old chats. I just wanted to say as we get into today's episode, happy Mental Health Week, everyone. Um, these kind of weeks and, and um, these, these recognition, these times of recognition um, really mean a lot to me on a personal level because as I was growing up, when I was, uh, when I was just a wee boy, um, I thought that the fact that I struggled with mental illness and, and didn't have the vocabulary to articulate what I was going through and, and didn't think that, you know, nobody was talking about it. It wasn't something that was uh, readily available in the media or anything like that. I thought that I was broken. I thought that I was a burden. I thought that I was alone. And it was just, it, it's really amazing to see people during these times really actively engage in the power that their story holds and, and acknowledge the fact that when they share openly and authentically and say without shame this is who I am as a as a human being this is me in my entirety 
that it creates this beautiful sense of of uh, community in a way where people are able to come together and be themselves and and heal and it's just it's just a really beautiful thing and it and it's a huge push along the path of of destigmatization in the world of mental health so i encourage all of you to engage in any of the you know hashtags that you see share um talk with the people in your life this is a fantastic opportunity to sometimes open up those conversations if you haven't been able to to have them before to broach the topic of mental health um check in with the your loved ones with your friends and take care of yourself during this time because it's um it's it's really amazing and if you're on instagram and you're checking out uh different people sharing their stories uh pop over to at life strike podcast check out us, uh, us out there as well um as before we get into the episode i just wanted wanted to take a take a second and uh and share a little life update because uh I, I just think it's one of those things where haven't put out a podcast in a while things have been kind of all over the place and one of the things that i've been focusing on is just kind of grounding myself in the moment and so i just wanted to share in in honor of mental health week you know i just wanted to share openly with all of you um and i'm actually really proud to say that i'm, I'm doing really well uh one of the one of the things that's kind of kick-started this this rejuvenation of life's wreck has been the fact that i've been I think that I've started to to do it in the most authentic way possible. And, and I've really kind of actively engaged with my health where I've made like diligent choices that I know make me feel good. Uh, I've been pri- prioritizing my self-care. I've been prioritizing my physical health. I've been boxing a couple of times a week. I've been eating well. Um, I've, I've cut down on the amount of alcohol and caffeine and, and uh, marijuana uh, that I've been uh, intaking. And so I just, I'm in a good spot right now. I've I've just... I don't know. I've just felt this like fire recently to uh, to get back into the pod and and um, you know doing all of that. Like we've got more episodes ready to go, and and I don't know. Like this time in my life has just allowed me the space to fall back in love with the process of producing this podcast, and I'm I'm just I'm very I'm very thankful for that. I was actually saying to my roommate not too long ago, um, we were just kind of we were just shooting the shit, we were just hanging out, and I was saying I was like, you know, I I've been in this good place and I just feel like I'm in like the start I just feel like I'm in like the starting blocks and I like shrug some weight off and I just want to run I just want to like open it up I just want to go and in like every sense of like I just wanted to like I just wanted to like let my mind go I just wanted to let like I just wanted to uh, pursue something I wanted to push myself and I I don't know it just kind of like it 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 has this part of my life and I got them all over the place, but it has rekindled this love um, and this spark that, that I'm just so appreciative of. And it's something that I, that I, I care so deeply about. And so to, to feel that again um, has just been really special for me. So um, I'm just thankful. And uh, actually speaking of grateful, what a beautiful transition. Um, I just, I wanted to take a second because as engaging with this this self-care and and really kind of stepping into this part of my life one of the things that i've been trying to do a lot more is really uh show appreciation for the people in my life um and today's guest brian stever who has just been such an amazing um light to so many people but he's He's just kind of played this really unique role in in my my life recently and i'm i'm very grateful for that you know i'm at uh, he's really kind of played this role in a very in a very positive way as my life as a podcaster um, because he's provided his support, he's provided his time, um, and he's and he, you know he's provided his friendship 
and it's and it's just been it's been really nice and so I think that so often we we take for granted some of the people in our life. Uh, we don't necessarily take the time to just say how much somebody means to us, um, how much a, a good action or reaching out or, you know, just saying like, hey, yeah, sure, I'll, I'll help you with this thing. Um, and we just kind of let, leave some of those flowers. Uh, we don't give those people their flowers enough. So that's something that I'm, I'm trying to... Uh, uh, trying to do a little bit bit more um and it all kind of like it, it kickstarted when i was over at uh when i did the the sick boy podcast um with uh with the guys over at sick boy and during that conversation which by the way if you guys want to uh check out uh, my interview with sick boy um just type in sick boy on any podcasting platform uh and uh and it'll pop right up and then my episode will be one of the newer ones um but it was a really fantastic conversation where we talked about life and mental health we talked a little bit of reality tv and during that conversation, it was four dudes just being open and vulnerable and speaking, you know, truth to power and, and being authentic. And, um, you know, Brian was was at the, the forefront of this um, really beautiful conversation, this beautiful back and forth. And, uh, you know, talking with these guys, I've been a fan of Sick Boy for a long time. Like what they do is is, you know, if you were to kind of just kind of say like, Hey Kyle, what do you, uh, you know, what do you want to do? What do you want to get out of this podcast? I'd, I'd look to sick boy and be like, yeah, pretty much what these guys are up to. Like, you know, they're, they're able to have these fantastic conversations with people, you know, so consistently. And they've done so much in terms of destigmatizing mental health, um, illness of all kind and promoting, uh, an, a holistic approach to wellness. And they've developed such an amazing community. And these guys have done some really fucking incredible work. And, uh, you know, it's and and the chat that I had, it was like such a reminder of why I started doing this because it was a, a truly like a beautiful conversation. And so after we were done, Sick Boy, um, you know, I, I chatted with Brian and he agreed to come on Life's Rec, and because uh, we wanted to dive a little bit further into our experiences with therapy. And the conversation started about therapy. You know, we were kind of just shooting the shit, and then we we talked about therapy. And then it just kind of like blossomed from there. And then we started to talk about our own mental health journeys. We talked about family dynamics and relationships. We shared things that we've learned um, along kind of this like path of wellness, Um, different insights, different thought processes and mindsets that have shifted over the years. Um, You know, we shared some good laughs and it was just like, it was just a very like, just an absolute, like it was a really good vibes episode the entire time, like editing it, you know, sometimes you're editing podcasts and it's like a, it's a it's an energy taking experience. You know, the conversation may be great, but it's just kind of it's a it's a it's a labor. And this one, it just like I was just smiling the entire way through. Um, it was a fantastic conversation. So uh, I'm excited for you guys to hear it. Uh, one quick note before we do get into the episode is that stick around for the conclusion of the up ep- because we've got uh, we got a little bit of news in terms of some new content. Um, and if you don't want to stick around. Uh, fuck i can't stop you so uh i'm sure it'll be blasted out on social media and everywhere else but uh but yeah if you want it's going to take like 10 seconds uh, at the end so uh you know throw your throw throw your boy a bone uh but uh without further ado um i would love to give you a little bit more of a backstory on today's guest brian stever brian is a mental health advocate and one hell of a storyteller As a co-host of Sick Boy Podcast, he helps break down stigma surrounding illness by fostering honest conversations. His love for storytelling inspired the creation of Snack Labs, a podcast production company that focuses on health-related content. Collaborating with associations and organizations, Brian produces engaging podcasts to empower listeners in managing their health. Through his work with Sick Boy and Snack Labs, Brian demonstrates the power of storytelling, empathy, and open dialogue in promoting oh-so-important holistic wellness. 
Not only that, but he's a beautiful human being, and it was a pleasure to share the mic with him. Brian, welcome to the podcast. How you doing? I think I'm doing pretty well right now, and I'm not. I'm not just saying that because uh, <laughs> I'm not. I'm, a, I'm oh, dodging the God. question. But uh, but and to give you some context, in the last couple of weeks, I. Um, well, I was telling you before we started recording that uh, I'm going through a career change, re- kind of refocusing on the stuff that I do with um, something that I'm sure we'll talk about, but Sick Boy Podcast, yeah. uh, the podcast that, that I host with my two best friends. And so over the past couple of weeks, um, I am leaving another job that I was doing and mm-hmm. focusing more on this passion project. Um, but with doing that, there was a lot of like fear that came with that transition. Yeah. Transitions happen. It's always like, and, and this is why, like, this is why I almost like struggled to say that I'm doing well right now because mm-hmm. I do feel like I'm doing well. Like there's a lot of excitement with being able to like truly focus on something that I'm passionate about. Yeah, there's a lot of fear around financial stability and, and sort of what will happen over the next little bit. So, mm-hmm. um, thank thank god i go to therapy <laughs> that helps a lot with this but yeah like and and i guess um in addition to uh, you know i'm sure we're going to talk a lot about therapy but yeah. in addition to therapy i started going to the gym again a couple weeks ago Dude. and sleeping better and eating better yes. and exercising and so those things paired with um this transition i think I've been doing well managing that. Nice. I'm sure there's a lot to unpack oh, there. <laughs> dude. It's actually so funny you say that because right now at kind of where I'm at in my life right now, I'm doing a lot of uh, like focusing on my physical betterment. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just, I kind of went through this period where it, post big brother and like, this was the conversation we had on sick boy, but post big brother, um, I found it was really kind of difficult to like get back into a flow. And mm-hmm. so for like a year, I was just kind of all over the place. I'd kind of go through these little spurts of like a week working out hard and like super consistent. And then it would just completely fall off. And so right now I'm kind of getting back to like podcast, getting back to a, a regular release schedule, back to working out and boxing three, four times a week, which is something Mike does. And, uh, yeah. you know, we talked yeah, to yeah. and, uh, yeah, it's, it's helped a ton, which I'm, has been great. Uh, I'm curious for you, like what I, I find that, um, I can like I'm I'm 33 now and when I look back at the last like 20 years of my life when I yeah. started to like in my early teenage years when I I grew up racing sprint canoeing and I was you grew like up racing canoes yeah no yeah, way eh? yeah I was like I raced uh, on the Canadian junior team um, no way that's and great got to travel and stuff Very for cool. quite a bit and then got into coaching afterwards cool. but but during that like during my teenage years I was always physically active I mean yeah. I was training twice a day most days. And then when I got, um, when I left the sport, when I was like 20, Mm -hmm. I stopped doing that all of a sudden. And I noticed that in conjunction with like, you know, being in my early twenties and being kind of lost and not knowing what I wanted to do, um, which is still kind of where I'm at, but, but, uh, I don't think think so either, but, but I, I noticed that like when I wasn't exercising in particular, it really kind of, there was a correlation between those years where I felt really shitty in my own mental health. Yeah. And, um, when I started to exercise again, I would start to feel better. Yeah. Um, uh, well, and see you, I'm sure you guys have seen like through the people that you've had on your show, like that there's such a strong link, like an, like a scientific link between physical wellness and mental health. It's, yeah, it's totally, yeah. totally. And, and, um, I would say too, um, you know, 
just to acknowledge that like obviously chronic anxiety and chronic depression these things that you can't cure with yeah, exercising yeah, yeah. but for me as a person who has experienced bouts of depression mm-hmm. i would say for me in particular exercise sleep yeah eating healthy these things are like inc- and, and probably for most people are yeah. incredibly important for um, taking care of my mental health well i mean even speaking as somebody who does have chronic anxiety and has since he was a child and, and still continues <laughs> to my mental health improves tremendously when i just have like a regular healthy routine mm-hmm. it it's that's actually one of those things and i'm really fortunate where I've, I've got some super supportive parents and um when i'm feeling down i go to them and they kind of always remind me of how great i feel when i like work out or exercise and i remember um when i i was going through a, a really kind of a rough spot like this is actually my, my roommate um, who's who's just in the other room there. He um, he knows how much like physical wellness is a is a big thing for me. And so when I was like in this really bad slump, um, I called my dad and I was like, hey, like I'm feeling really shitty. And he was like, oh, you should start boxing again. You remember how much you loved boxing? And I was like, yeah, no, I really would. But like can't really afford it right now. And he was like, oh, like, you know, maybe just prioritize that, like figure that out. Yeah. And then literally it couldn't have happened any better where a few days later my buddy um, came home. He's like, dude, I got a gift for you. I was like, oh, what? And he's like, I got you like a 20 punch pass for, for boxing. <laughs> yeah. And it was like, oh, and that man. was like this beautiful like kickstart where I was just like, I got back into it and I just saw like immediately, literally a week later, I was like, I feel fucking, mm-hmm. I feel great. I feel mm-hmm. so much better. Do you find i you know it's funny because i find when somebody close to me in my life um like suggests a uh something that i know is gonna you know make yeah, yeah. make my life experience better <laughs> i always find it so hard to take that advice really? for whatever reason like yeah. i like even when they're saying it i know i know it's true and mm. i know it's right but there's something and i have adhd so like perhaps it's connected to that but i always find it so hard to like get out of just get out of that bad funk. And yeah. like, if I just start, I know it's going to be better, but it's so hard to start. Well, yeah, dude. Um, for me, I actually, I, I really appreciate it. It actually does help me a lot when people in my life kind of suggest things because mm-hmm. when I get really in like my really kind of down portions of my life i start to like look at my life through like a really kind of like the opposite of like rosy colored glasses like shit colored glasses yeah, yeah, where yeah. it's like i'm like i don't want to do anything like nothing helps everything's miserable blah 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 and then i'll have somebody who's like close to me who loves me be like hey you know how like you've been here before and this has helped and it's like yeah i guess i'll do it like because you kind of suggested it it's yeah. almost like that edgy teenager just <laughs> yeah, like, yeah fine fuck i'll yeah. do it and the next thing i know i'm like boxing I'm like wow i feel great like why didn't i do this before so yeah it's it's funny has that, has that always been for, like with you like this idea of kind of like resistance um when people would suggest things like is that something that you've seen commonly yeah i think i think i, I definitely have a, a sense of stubbornness mm. to me and i i don't know what it is i think I think it's less about what the person's saying and more about what's going on inside of me. Yeah. Um, like th- there was one period of time, probably like six or seven years ago when I had mm-hmm. like the worst bout of depression that I was in. And I, I, um, I was just like dealing with the end of a bad relationship Yeah. and, uh, I was laying in bed and it was like three o'clock in the afternoon and I still hadn't gotten out of bed and, Been there. and I was just like, what? Like, I know, I know the thing mm-hmm. I need to do right now mm-hmm. is get out of bed and for whatever reason i just couldn't like it was like it was almost like i had this sort of separate version of myself that was telling Mm -hmm. me like hey listen like you you we know what you need to do yeah you need to get out and you need to go like outside you need to exercise you need to eat something good but for whatever reason there's just this like feeling of paralysis where oh my god where I, i i i don't know what it is or where it comes from but i know that it's been 
with me for a really long time. And I guess, I suppose like that's kind of like probably one of the subconscious reasons why I decided to go to therapy because Mm -hmm. there's this like thing that I know to be true, but like there's some sort of invisible barrier between me and like, and, and pursuing that truth. Right. But like, I don't know what it is. And it seems like Mm. if I can't understand this thing about myself, then, you know, why should my girlfriend be able to give me right, the right. solution to that? Yeah. Like, why should my parents be able to give me the solution to mm. that? It just feels like this sense of stubbornness where it's like, you know, you're telling me to do that thing that is going to make me feel better. Yeah. But, you know, why can't I tell myself to do that thing? Right. And and maybe that's where some of the resistance com- comes from. Mm. But you know what it is, too? I Like, I'm realizing this. I'm connecting this to something I've talked about in therapy, which is mm. perfectionism yes. for me. And yeah. so... Um, part of the thing that I find so hard about doing the thing that I know is going to make me feel better is that if there's no plan for me to keep that going, then I'm like, what's the point in start? Like, mm. what's the point in doing that half ass Because it's only going to be a temporary solution. Right. And I've noticed this about like getting into um, exercise routines. Mm-hmm. If I start going to the gym three days a week, yeah. to me, it's not good enough. Mm. So like, if I follow a plan, a program that's five days a week and it's right. a super intense plan, I'm way more likely to stick to a five day really? a week plan than a three day a week plan. Huh. Um, but like this is, and, and I now know where this comes from. It's perfectionism, mm. um, which I think you can relate to. Big time. <laughs> and yeah. and yeah. so, um, you know, I, one of my favorite things that my therapist has ever said to me is because I, I constantly am referring to like the best version of myself. Yes. And, um, in this one, (laughs) one therapy session, I was like, you know, I just find it difficult because I want to show up in my relationship, be the best version of myself. Mm. I want to exercise and be the healthiest, best version of myself. And she, she interrupted me in the session, which she never does. She always just Mm -hmm. lets me talk. And, uh, she was like, um, can I just pause you there for a second? And I, and I was like, yeah, yep. yeah. What is it? Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Like thinking that I'm like, oh, now I'm fucking this up too. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and she, uh, she's like, can I just, um, maybe suggest a different word? Mm. And I was like, yeah, sure. What, what's that? She's like, what if you were the most honest version of yourself? And mm. I like have these <laughs> profound moments in therapy where like, like, it like something like that hits me like a ton of bricks and I just like start fucking bawling. Mm. I'm like, Oh my God, that's so much easier to be that. Like it's Mm. so much easier to be the most honest version of yourself. And I think that's where like a lot of my anxiety Mm. and stresses come from is like trying to live up to this version of like me that I have in my head that I think is like the best. Yeah. When really and truly it's, it just stresses me out and makes me, Dude, <laughs> not I, the best. <laughs> yeah, man, I went through something so similar with my partner recently, where um, I, I there was this period of like a couple weeks where I was like, I, I was kind of neglecting to hang out because I was like, oh, I don't feel like I can be the best version of myself. I want to, I want to give you that best version of myself. Like, if I'm showing up for our relationship, I want to show up at a hundred percent. Yeah, and it was, and it was, and she was like, Kyle, I don't need you at a hundred percent every time. Like, yeah. I just need you as, as you, like I, I, you as an individual, like I love you. I want you to be happy and I want you to feel comfortable when we hang out, but like, I don't need <laughs> this, like, you know, walks in, like just add up, just on, on fire, like yeah. killing it kind of yeah. thing. It's like, just be yourself. And, and it was a very, I was just like, Oh my God, I do this so often. We're like, <laughs> there's so many times I'll like turn things down. Cause I'm like, no, I just can't be 
perfect. Dude, have, can't haven't show you? Up 100%. Haven't you seen the meme that's like, if you can't handle me at my worst, you don't deserve me at my best. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, you should know that. You should know no, that. I know. So, okay, so, dude, when did like when did therapy kind of get on your radar? Because I don't feel like for like a lot of young men, like it's kind of something that like for me it existed in like lore where yeah. it was like therapy. Like, what the fuck is therapy? Like, and yeah. everybody would talk about it. Like, oh, it's for crazy people. Yeah. Well, it's it's funny because I I thought the same growing up like yeah. um i remember the first time uh somebody mentioned therapy to me it was my mom mm. and um it was when my parents went through a pretty intense divorce when i was 15 and i remember at that time my brother was like really angry and we're identical twins and i think he was more outwardly angry i was more like ho- like held it all inside mm. and um i remember my mom saying like you know you can talk to someone like mm-hmm. if if you guys want, there's, you know, I'll, I'll like, you can see a therapist, right. but I was like, no therapies for people who are like unwell. Like I'm, yeah. I'm managing this. Mm-hmm. And so that was sort of the first time it was, it was suggested to me. And then eight years ago we started sick boy podcast and yeah. it primarily started as talking to people who are physically ill, but then, um, very early on we started to talk to people who lived with mental illness mm-hmm. and, the i started to notice this connection between people who were um had mental illness Mm -hmm. and people who had physical illness where the people with physical illness were also talking to therapists right and i was like huh that's interesting like i thought only the people who were mentally ill would talk to therapists um and then my a few years after we had started that my mom got cancer Mm. and she and she's she's doing well now but she um she oftentimes would talk about how the hardest part about cancer was not the f- like treating the physical mm-hmm. illness. It was the mental side of it. And so like I was having all these like moments where I was starting to realize like, oh, people talk to therapists for lots of reasons yeah. and it seems to be really helpful. Mm. And so um, I would I noticed that I started like suggesting to people that they should talk to a therapist, but I had actually never seen a therapist <laughs> myself. I'm like, I hear that this is helpful. It's really good for you. Should you I give mean, it a try sometime. I don't, I don't need, need it. it. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. but like, it sounds like it might be helpful for yeah. you. And so, so there was a point where, um, I had actually, uh, just finished a, a pretty bad relationship mm-hmm. and it wasn't that my partner at the time, she wasn't a bad person and I wasn't yeah, yeah. a bad person, but we just weren't good for each other. Yep, happens. And, um, and I was really kind of lost in trying to deal with the emotional mm. um, sort of ramifications that came from that. Yeah. And so I actually went the first time um, to see a nurse at a walk-in clinic about okay. my mental health. Um, so it wasn't... How was I didn't, that? I didn't go to therapy first. I went to... I was like, I'm feeling depressed. Right. And so I went to a walk-in clinic and... I sat with this nurse and it was weird. It was at the, uh, coal Harbor, um, like sportsplex. <laughs> like there was a, there was like a, um, there was like this like doctor's office in yeah, there. And yeah, I went yeah. and I went and I saw this person and I don't think they were prepared to like have the mental health conversation, mm. but I unloaded for like an hour on them and they were like, yeah, um, you should maybe like go talk to your doctor about right. this. And, and so I realized, like, maybe I'm not in the right place. Yeah. But m- that told me I mean, that, for like... You for, like, trying to find somewhere, though. Yeah. And, I mean, it felt really good to go there. But also, I was like, oh, I had kind of a bad experience. And I kind mm. of pushed it aside. 
Um, was it a bad experience because... Because I don't think that... I think I was... I think I... And I've another thing I've learned in therapy is like, I expected that because I was being vulnerable, I was mm. going to get help. Right. You know, it was like this expectation that like, like yeah. I'm doing the work yeah. to be yeah, vulnerable. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. therefore I should receive the benefit of like somebody listening to me mm -hmm. or like providing me with the support I need. Um, so I actually, at that point I probably pushed therapy or like going to see somebody about my mental health, um, away again for another couple of years. Mm. And then, um, I was recommending therapy again. I was like, I should fucking do this. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. so I went online and I went on to psychologytoday.com yeah, and like, yeah, yeah. Great website. like yep. searched up a therapist. And it's funny because I, I, a lot of people have asked me like, how do you find a therapist? And, um, my best suggestion, the thing that worked really well for me because mm -hmm. I actually had luck with my first therapist. Oh, that's nice. Um, but the, the thing that worked really well for me is I imagined the criteria of someone that I would feel comfortable speaking to mm. in my head. And I was like, who, who is this person? What, what do I want them to be like? Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I, I had a lot of like, uh, girlfriends, like female friends when I yep. was, when I was younger. Yeah. And I always felt the most comfortable talking to them about mm. like things that I struggled with. And so I was like, I know I want, uh, my therapist to be female or like even, I was even cool with like feminine energy. It didn't have mm. to be a woman. It could have been someone with feminine yeah, energy. Absolutely. Yeah. And, um, and I wanted them to be young or have young energy again, like mm -hmm. not, didn't have to be a young person, but had to have young energy. And so I was just like scrolling through psychology today. And I'm like, this person looks like that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <And> so, <laughs> so like, I, I mean, it's, you can't tell that from yeah. not meeting someone, but I booked a consultation and, uh, I, I met my therapist and, mm -hmm. and, She's just been amazing. Like That's I, awesome, the man. first session I, I was like, Hey, I don't really have anything specific I need to talk about. Like I don't have any like past traumatic events that I like yeah, really need to dig into, but like, but like here, let me, I was like, here, let me like tell you about my life. And yeah. like, I just remember by the end of the session, she didn't even have to say it to me. She just looked at me and I was like, Holy fuck. Yeah. I, yeah, actually, I'm, there I'm is here. a lot of trauma. <laughs> I'm here. I'm here. <laughs> so, That's, uh, so yeah. dude, it's funny you say that because um, growing up rural New Brunswick, I had a lot of female friends too because mm -hmm. I was like this kind of like hyper masculine bang your head against the wall culture that I was just kind of accustomed to. Yeah. I was like, there's zero space for just like actual like care in these conversations. Mm -hmm. And the women in my life and the, the friends I had, um, they were like holding space. And it was the first kind of like, even without intentionally realizing it that was why like i had so many uh even throughout university when i was going through like the shittiest of the shittiest stuff that i've kind of went through my with my mental health a lot of the people who held space for me were the the women in my life mm -hmm. and like it's actually so funny so my my therapist that like really changed my life was a woman as well and she mm -hmm. held space for me and it's it is interesting like that was something when i first started this podcast and it being originally an exclusive men's mental health podcast mm -hmm. um because i was like i just need to create a space for men to like talk about this stuff realizing that like you can kind of have something still catered to men while still interviewing every different kind of person and totally um having a lot of different perspectives but like it really is like amazing how much i didn't re realize like culture and stigma how much of a role it played in who i opened up to mm -hmm. until i went to therapy and started exploring those kind of things. The, the thing that i i have never really understood and like I mean, as a young man, I wanted yeah. to be masculine. Like I wanted oh, yeah, to, like I wanted to be big, strong, fucking alpha male, yeah. hairy, rowing like, those fucking canoes. But, like. Yeah, t totally. And like you know, played all these sports and was like 
I'm I'm a short guy and like I like I liked sort of um being underestimated mm-hmm. and then being able to like overperform yeah, and like show guys absolutely. up and like I I absolutely love that. But the thing that I've never really got is is how being vulnerable or or, or honest with your feelings is not masculine. Like yeah. I've never yeah. I've never really been able to understand that stereotype because the hardest thing I've ever done in my life is be honest about how I feel. Thousand percent. And so like if like if there's if like being strong mm-hmm. physically and mentally is is a characteristic of a masculine person, um how does being emotionally vulnerable mm-hmm. not fit that mold of what it means to be a a quote unquote man? Yeah. I've never understood yeah. that. Well oh, man, it was always like I always feel like even from like a young age, it was a stuff that was praised. Like it was mm-hmm. like, you know, growing up, um, playing sports, what I remember from that. And, and one of the things like through therapy and self-reflection and just actually thinking about your, like the, your past objectively and mm-hmm. being like, I wonder why like this was the notion of this is the emotion that like I had surrounding these things. Mm-hmm. Um, and I always remember like at a young age, it was like, you'd go and it was the, the little boys who got hurt and then like, would like like would play through it. They'd be like bleeding on the soccer field, like seven years old. And their parents would be like, "There's my tough guy. Like, there's my here. There's the, the he's he's yeah. him. You know, yeah. like yeah. and and just remembering and being like, oh my god, like that's if you want to be valued. And all of the you know after the game, everybody going up and showing that kid love and like he'd be like, oh my god, that's what needs to happen. I need to be like as tough and cynical and like which that was being praised and i i totally get that and i you know it's funny because i i play soccer now in a men's league Mm -hmm. and like i'm still like when i'm when i play a game and i'm on the field it's like that's the only thing in the world that matters and it's actually one of the things that that makes me the happiest is 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 playing sport like that Mm. um but like i'm the last person i i fucking hate like diving in soccer i hate like when people are fucking cry cry babies about like injuries <laughs> yeah. and shit but also and like if somebody hurts me on the field and mm-hmm. i and i'm bloodied and cut up like i've had stitches in my head twice damn i don't give a fuck like i get up and keep playing mm-hmm. but after the game i'm also not afraid to say man that really hurt yeah, like that, that was really tough awful. and like yeah. i had to really yeah. dig deep to like mm-hmm. persevere in that situation yeah. or whatever and so i think i still think it can be both like i, I think I you can be yeah like in a game and in a sport yes. be tough and also be emotionally vulnerable when that game ends. It's, oh man, it's so true. I think that like this idea that it's like this black and white mentality surrounding, um, you know, something like masculinity. Mm-hmm. There's so much gray area where it's like you can really like, I, man, me too. Like boxing is my, my favorite thing in the world. I love getting in the ring and like <laughs> sparring with guys and, and, you know, you're sitting there and you're punching each other in the face. And then afterwards you're like, you're like sitting there you're like, holy fuck like you'll pinch your nose like that was awful but like how much fun was that kind of thing yeah yeah. and so like there's there's definitely like this idea of just like being i don't really know exactly what the word would be but like the idea of not suppressing but yet like still like yeah like experiencing the ups and downs and experiencing like grit Mm. but at the same time still like expressing yourself openly throughout that process kind of thing um and it's just yeah it's just so interesting yeah Um, I, i it's it's funny because um i think of like so i think of what therapy has as mm. has given me like over the the course of the last few years that i've been going and um and how it relates to like you know like the anger and stuff that i feel in my life so like when mm. i when i play soccer in in my league there are there are, we we play in like a men's rec league and you know there's guys who are in their 40s and 50s in the league and 
and like some of them show up and that's their place to let their anger out and they make they make the game dangerous for other people frankly yeah and when i i see that i think like fuck man i wish you'd just go to therapy Mm -hmm. and the reason why i think that is because um you know, like when I go and get into a tough battle in soccer and go and play, yeah. I, it's never with anger. It's mm-hmm. never with the intent to hurt someone. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that that maps directly to the relationships that we have in our lives mm-hmm. too. And so when you're not going to therapy and you get in a fight, and this this mm-hmm. happened a lot in my, my past relationship, um, there were triggers for me that my partner would do or probably mm-hmm. triggers for her that I would do yeah. that we didn't know what, where those came from. Yeah. And because of that, there was this like, this like, like energy, mm. like negative energy and conflict that just happened because of that. Yeah. And now I notice that when I go to therapy and I talk about where some of the symptoms from, I'm like, Oh, that's why I felt that way. That's yeah. where this came from. And so, you know, just like in soccer, because I don't feel angry when I, or because I, I can go and play and not feel anger when I'm in, you know, battle with a guy. It's the mm-hmm. same in my relationships when, when I have conflict, it's like, okay, I can acknowledge what, where this comes from, yep. what past trauma influences this. And I know better how to relax, mm-hmm. re- react in those situations. I think. Was there anything that changed from you, like the, the second you walked into your first therapy appointment to like leaving your first therapy appointment. Cause I know there's a lot of people who go in and they're talking about their, their processes with therapy. They kind of talk about how like, it's a bit of a, it's a bit of a pivotal point for them. Like they're, yeah. they're kind of like, there was something that just shifted. There was something that just changed. And it was a, it was a process that's been four years in the making, but something happened. And like, I, I just remember something distinctly. There was something that just sticks out. And I'm just kind of wondering if like you had an experience similar to that. Totally. And like, I mean, there's, there's one in the first session. There's like many that happened like yeah. shortly after. Um, the first thing that I felt was like, it was like after the first session, I realized I unlocked this place that mm. I can now come to yes, and figure yeah. out all of the things that cause me stress in the day to day. I now have a place to, to figure this out. And it's awesome. And, um, I know that a lot of people think that they have, um, close friends and family that they're mm. comfortable talking about their things with. And even it's been really hard to communicate the value of therapy to people closest to me in my life who don't go to therapy. Yep. So like I, I mentioned my identical twin brother, I've told him a lot about the value of therapy and he's mm. like, yeah, like I could see how that would be helpful. Yeah. And I think he he believes it and understands it. But there's part of him who's like, but I'm good right now. Right. You know, yeah. and I don't yeah, and yeah. I don't need that. And I think the thing that I learned after the very first session of therapy was like, no matter how good I think I am, mm-hmm. there will be stressors that happen to me throughout the week or throughout the month. Yeah. That I need help unpacking. Yeah. And I now forever know that there's a place I can come to mm-hmm. and talk about those things yeah so I'm, I'm i so i started going to therapy um every two weeks when i first started because nice. i was like there's a lot of things i need to talk about yep and so i quickly like had a like did a speed round of like unpacking things right. <laughs> with my therapist over the course of a few months and now i go every month nice. and um you know talking about investing in your health yeah um and like boxing um i and and me just losing my job and now therapy no longer being covered by my benefits that I had, Mm -hmm. it's Mm -hmm. still for sure the most important thing I pay for every month. And I will like, as long as I can afford to continue going it, Mm -hmm. like if I have $150 a month in my bank account, that's the first thing. Like I'll spend it on therapy before I'll spend it on food. 
And it means um, that much to you, huh? It does, yeah, it really does. Yeah. Because um, when when I go through my week mm-hmm. and I, you know, have a conversation or experience some conflict with my my girlfriend, yeah, um, or, or I don't like how I responded in a certain situation, instead of beating myself up for that, dwelling mm-hmm. on it, trying to like communicate it without really understanding where it comes from. I now just shelve it and put it on my like list of things to talk about in therapy. And it's so much easier to talk to somebody who like has no stake in like the relationships in your life. Who's yeah. just there to listen yeah. and work through those things. So then you can go back to that person and say, Hey, listen, like I, you know, I felt this way about this situation. I've talked to my therapist about it. This is what I learned about that. This mm-hmm. is what I learned about my needs. Um, hopefully, you know, next time this happens, we can yeah. do a better job at managing this. Yeah. And it works. Like it really does. That. Dude, it's, I mean, for me, it was like that first therapy session. I'd been through a few therapists before mm-hmm. and um, I, it was just kind of, it was like the dating process, right? Where you like meet some people, you're like, ah, this isn't exactly the person I want to like just open up to and like show my most like vulnerable side i'm like you're a stranger i don't know who you are yeah. like i'm not just expected to sit here and tell you everything um and it was like once i kind of found somebody and um and for me it was like the fact that they weren't they, i didn't get this air of like them trying to fix me and also i when i had been done therapy before um the therapist that i found that really kind of changed everything for me was while i was in university and i was mm-hmm. off my own mm-hmm before then it was my parents would bring me to therapy i was in high school it was like through my dad's insurance or you know through my mom's work or anything like that and so this idea of like they would pick me up they would drop me off sometimes they just waited in the waiting room like but they were always present and this idea of like not wanting to go full bore let it all out because i still had the you know keep up this mirage of i'm doing okay for my parents yeah um were you worried about like coming out of the room and like having like swollen eyes yeah, or something. Dude, 100%, like, yeah. I'm good. I'm yeah. so good. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, the, the car ride home, my mom would have been like, what'd you talk about? Like, no, I don't want to talk about this. Like, <laughs> so, um, yeah. But like when I, once I was off my own, it was just the idea of, like you said, having a space mm. and being like, Oh my God. Like when I like walking into this office, like I was, it was just truly that idea of being like, I don't have to be anything for anybody right now. Mm-hmm. And that for me was a really powerful thing of like this idea of I could just be completely like honestly, authentically myself yeah. and talk about the things that were actually bothering me and not put on this weird face of being like, no, babe, that doesn't bother me at all. When like it really does like deep yeah. down, like irk yeah. me, it's like you can actually just kind of be yourself. And um, through there, I just kind of like, I remember like that first time pouring it all out. And, and afterwards, you know, my therapist, we talked a bit about this on Sick Boy, but um, my therapist just being like, that sounds tough. And That's that, a, that breaks me. <laughs> dude, that, you gotta take a break, man. I was like, I'm not a, I don't, I don't cry very often. I'm not a big crier. Um, and not because I don't like, I don't try not to cry. Yeah. I just, there's just not a lot of things that like, there's the occasional, you know, like sad video on TikTok that'll get me teared up a little bit. But like <laughs> in general, I'm just not a big crier. Um, and I remember those like three words. I was just like, I was just, <gasps> Yeah, it is hard to notice. Like I was just absolutely probably snot bubbles. Needed that. It destroys me when when my therapist is like, "That sounds really hard." I'm like, "Oh, it is. is. You're right. It is." I'm like, "That's the yeah. That's the. I mean, that's the. I think that is. If I was like going to give my therapist feedback, it's like Mm. that's the best. That's my favorite thing when like being validated in my experience because it's so hard to like. Like I think our our closest friends and our family, they want us to feel better, and so yes. like when we tell them that something, caring, yeah. totally. And yeah. but when we tell them something is 
about an experience for us that is really difficult, usually people want to respond with, Mm. oh, well, you know, here's a solution or like Mm. try doing this or Mm. it's never like it's it's very rarely is it like that's really tough. Yeah. And just sitting with that emotion because Mm. I know and and um, not to like throw my girlfriend's mom under the bus, but like she's really struggled with um, being able to. Uh, like she's she grew up in a generation where people were like fucking shove those feelings down yeah, and don't yeah, yeah. and like 100%. you're good you're gonna be good and, yep. and oftentimes like when her daughters go to her and they're like man we're really sad this thing happened she's like ah oh, oh, you're okay yeah, like exactly. chin up like you'll yeah. be okay yeah, yeah, yeah. um when when like probably the best thing to say to somebody in that situation is like that's really tough yeah that yeah, sounds really hard yep I'm here it's, for you yeah. well that's the thing is it really kind of like what i'm not i'm not great at this. this is something that like i'm i'm kind of continuously working on um especially like with the podcast and being in, like involved in the mental health space and having a desire to like go back to school and do all and kind of pursue this mental health path um of this idea of people in my life being like hey like talking about stuff and me trying not to like offer the i think this might help because it's like you want to help you want to be all there the time too. and yeah. but at the same time i'm like what's helped me the most that's tough yeah and just being like wow you're really going through it right now here if you need me but mm-hmm. like I'm just acknowledging the fact that what you're going through right now is like kind of shitty. Yeah. It's tough. It's also like the, the other thing that I've learned personally is like, I've always tried to, um, you know, I, I'm a people pleaser. Like I oh want to like, God. I want to, ma- I want to make people ding, feel ding, better. Ding. I want to be, yeah, be there for I them. And, and so sometimes at like the expense of my own mental health. And, mm. and one big thing that's coming to therapy for me is setting boundaries um which is like been Mm. it's been super hard because i i find i'm really curious what you think about this because Mm. for me like i've always been like hey sacrifice myself for the betterment of that person's experience in life like it's just been the way that i want to live my life and um i've done that to the detriment of my own mental health Mm -hmm. so many times yeah and when i started to realize this in therapy i didn't see it as a problem because I was right. like, well, that's virtuous. Yeah, like selfless. I'm, I feel yeah. good about this. Yeah, like it's yeah, a great yeah. thing that I do this and I don't really care. But then I realized like, Oh, but I'm actually not able to show up for people in my life because you know, I'm so stressed out. And because you know, I did this thing for this one person then I had to fucking sleep for seven days straight yeah, or whatever dude. it is. Yeah. And so I've been really trying to understand the, the balance between helping people mm-hmm. and also prioritizing my own well-being at the same time and it's so hard because like like in the philosophy in my philosophy of life i'm like i don't care about myself yeah but also like how do i show up for people and be the best version of (laughs) best version of myself here i go again (laughs) (laughs) damn it (laughs) Uh, back to therapy but it's so hard like it's so hard to find that balance like i think of one of my friends is like is like he's really good at being selfish for himself and like and like you know you go to you go to dinner and the bill is you know like a hundred bucks between the two of you and Mm. and like you know he left his wallet in the car and i'm like don't don't worry i got this one Mm. but like he would be like oh fucking go get your wallet like if it was if the role was reversed right yeah yeah. so so like i don't know it's so hard I don't want to be like that person, but yeah. I also don't want to be this, the version of myself that's like stressed out to the max yeah, that I can't so, do anything. So, so my thing would be, um, I would do a lot of people pleasing is like 
typical like i'm a i'm a control freak that's something i've unpacked mm-hmm. in therapy not with those exact words but yeah i when i lack control it's a really tough thing for me um and so this idea of when somebody comes to me and i go i don't have the battery for this right now but but this i just this in innate pull to be like i but i can fix this mm-hmm. I, when i have control when i can kind of stick my yeah. claws into this <laughs> i can fix this and then there's been times in my life where i've forgone my own mental health tried to help somebody else they didn't ask for my help i just kind of almost like thrust my help upon them um and then they haven't gotten better and then i've resented them because i forgave i i i didn't show up for myself and i chose to show up for you and you didn't get better yeah and and it just creates this toxic toxic dynamic where i just had to like that that idea of just being like I'll just be there for this person yeah. and, and, you know, and prioritizing my own self. Oh man, it was a whole thing. I, like I, this is a, this has been a journey I, that I'm still on. I, like, me too. And yeah. I, I'm like the king of the soft. No, like, mm. like no, but I could do this for right, you instead. Right, like, right, right. like, like I feel bad saying no. So instead I'm going to say no, but next week or something right, or no, right. but I could do this for you instead. Mm. <laughs> and yeah, that like I've, I've really been trying. It's way easier when you're texting actually. Yeah. Okay. Because, because I find that that's actually a strategy for me is, is, um, and particularly with commitments because I overcommit mm. myself all the time. It's easier for me to say yeah. no, if I'm texting with someone rather than if I'm face on the phone face or face to face. Yeah. So I try to use that as a strategy and then I have the chance to like, think about what i'm saying mm. and rather than saying no but i could do this instead right. i can actually stay say no and st- stick to it which has what, been really helpful when you when you tell somebody okay like i mean talk me through i'm curious if there's gonna be some overlap here when you say no to somebody like what happens like what do you what, what's going through your mind like why can't you say no so it's or like have uh, not been honestly in the past? i d- i didn't know what it was bef- before mm-hmm. um it certainly comes from it obviously comes from people pleasing and not wanting to feel like I'm letting someone down. Yeah. So when I say no in the past, it was like, Oh, this person's going to like me less or like, Mm -hmm. Oh, this person's going to feel like I'm not reliable. Oh, this person, this person is going to feel this thing. Mm -hmm. And so, um, but now saying no after going to therapy is like, I'm proud of myself. Like it feels good to say no, um, which has also become a bit of a problem in the reverse because um, like Taylor and Jeremy know that I am working on this thing. Mm-hmm. And so they'll ask me to do something and I'll say no. And they're like, fuck you. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, dude, you're just saying no because it feels good now. I'm like, no, I really need to say no. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but yeah. It's, what, what is it like? What, what is it for you? For me, it was always, um, yeah, it was the idea that people would like me less. Um, but it was also the idea that like when I was growing up, the idea was that you don't say no. Like mm. you like there's like people in your life, if they need anything, like you show up. And it was always like the virtues that were established amongst like my family and the people that I was around was that idea of you go out of your way for everybody else. And that's just how life is. Mm-hmm. Like if somebody needs something, you go and that will be praised. And then if not that's not that's selfish so this I feel idea like, that no was yeah. bad and that was a tough thing for me to kind of reorient yeah it's it's hard um one of the challenges in going to therapy is 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 trying not to assume things about other people's experience mm, because yeah, you're okay. like oh i went to therapy and i figured this thing out and so like i can see what that person is oh, dealing with man. which is really <laughs> yeah, really hard yeah, but like yeah, i yeah. do it with i do it with my mom mm, all the time and yes and uh i, I was do with mentioning my family too yeah, that's, because because you like because you want them to like go and experience the thing yes. that's helpful. Yeah. So then you sort of 
I, I mean, for me, it's easy for me to like project here are the things my mom would learn if she went right. to therapy. Yes. <laughs> but, uh, but it, it, it's interesting because I, I mentioned my mom and dad's divorce. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think my mom's perspective is that she sacrificed a lot for my brother and I to be able to do things to, right. to, to be able to have the opportunities to be successful, which no doubt she did. Like mm. uh, undoubtedly she did. I wonder sometimes if she resents the mm. fact that she sacrificed so much of herself mm. to be able to provide for her kids. And also, you know, like that message that you said about, you know, being um, instilled in you to like sacrifice yourself for mm. others. Like that, my mom uh, did the ultimate sacrifice mm. for, for my brother and I. So like, I feel like not only was she did and maybe she didn't even explicitly say it, but she certainly modeled that like you do this thing and like that's we, the way it is. Dude, and we, your we, life sucks. <laughs> yeah. We, we touched on that um, when, when we were sitting down um, with uh, with sick boy was this idea of like your parents can do some things without explicitly saying them. But the model of the behavior is there. And, and my, it's yeah. so funny, dude. There's a lot of overlap going on. It's like <laughs> my mom's a, a very, you know, same way. Like my mom, um, you know, is a is a brilliant very smart woman and she left like a promising career to like raise my sister and i this Mm -hmm. idea of sacrificing a very key part of your life so that other people could thrive i think was something that was always just kind of like it was it wasn't always like hammered home with like verbally like i did blank so you could blank but it was still like that air of i've done a lot so that you can blank yeah i wonder what i wonder what the the right thing is to do, you know, Dude, like there is, I think there's like this weird kind of element of like, there is no right thing. Like you can try, um, I'm listening to, um, the myth of normal, uh, right Gabber now. Mate, yeah. Oh, dude, yeah. Awesome. We had him on sick boy. You guys have a sick boy. Yeah. Oh shit. Yeah, it's fucking crazy. Dude, that would have been, really that cool. would have been sick. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That would have been really cool. So yeah, I'm listening to his book right now. And, um, yeah, this idea of like with parents that there are so many parents who try so hard to do the right thing for their kids. And yet like, trauma is almost inevitable yeah like there's almost always going to be something that comes up that you do that you just don't even like doesn't even cross your mind you try in every moment to act in the best possible way and yet there's still gonna be something that's probably gonna like affect your child in some way totally and i think i think the solution for parents is to be honest about that you know because like we grew up looking at our parents and going they're they're gods like they're perfect they're never gonna make mistakes they just do everything right and uh, admittedly like that's obviously a privileged upbringing to think that but i think even in situations that are are you know where kids don't have great childhoods or role models on their parents i think there's still this sort of like subconscious idea that like this is my parent and they're you know they can't do anything wrong and so um like being able to address that as a parent and say to your kids, you know, at, at the, when they're able to like really understand you mm-hmm. is saying like, Hey, listen, I make mistakes. You know, there's going to be things that I do that like, yeah. you know, aren't going to be there. I'm not going to make the right decisions all the time. And, and that's okay. And like, if you want to have a t- conversation about this and, mm-hmm. and talk about these things with me, I'm happy to to do that. Like, man, that would be, that would be a nice, Dude, <laughs> nice relationship. <laughs> I, I think like demystifying that, that parent child relationship is probably something that like I can imagine in every, you know, 
trauma-informed parenting book going forward it's going to be a lot of that like authenticity honesty i fucked up i was really actually fortunate that um i love how this was a conversation kind of surrounding therapy but it's also kind of like a weirdly turned into like a therapy thing i'm like <laughs> I know. thinking back and i'm just like my dad used to do this um but like you know i was actually really fortunate because my dad um who i'm really I'm, I'm really lucky i had a dad who i think modeled some great um, like what it means to be a man kind of behaviors to me. Um, because one of the things that he would do is when he was in the wrong, he would make a, he would make a, a point of apologizing. And I was, and I, and I look back on those moments and I'm always just like, damn, yeah, I appreciate that. It's awesome. I appreciate having yeah. a, having a parent who was, it wasn't like it's my way or the highway. It mm-hmm. was like, that's not appropriate behavior. And I fucked up. Mm-hmm. And like, that was, that was always good for me. For yeah. Sure. I found, um, like my relationship with, with my dad, it's, it's interesting because like, um, probably for the first 10 or or even 12 years of my life like i had such a great relationship with Mm. my dad but i realized my parents had this like sort of good cop bad cop dynamic and Mm. like my dad was always the one who was like playing catch with us and like doing that shit with us and my mom was always the one who seemed like stressed out and like was always doing chores and and things and i look back now at their relationship and i'm like no wonder that didn't work out there Mm. was no like teamwork and sort of that approach and you know, it seemed like one person was always having fun and the other person was always doing the chores. And, mm-hmm. and so, um, it was weird to, to sort of, um, understand that dynamic between my mom and dad. And like this guy who had like for a long time, I just thought like, this guy is so much fun. This guy right. is the best. Mm-hmm. And then start to realize like, Oh, actually he did have these faults. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, maybe I didn't see them as much because it wasn't at my expense that right. he was doing yeah, these things. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and then trying to like, change that idea of this person that you've had in your head for so long and 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 like ground that in a little bit more reality was really mm-hmm. difficult to do mm-hmm. um i find i find the hardest thing is is like it's so easy to have this conversation with you about yeah about my family mm-hmm. it's really hard to have this conversation with my family like it's totally really hard good. to yeah. i don't think i could go to my dad and t- like say that to him mm-hmm. which I don't know. Do you think I, do you think like, I, do you think we have to say those things to our family members and address those problems? That's a great question. Or do we go to the, like, is this why we go <laughs> is to this a, is this put it on the shelf? <laughs> <laughs> um, see, I kind of come at it from a very, um, unique standpoint where my parents are life's Rex number one and number two supporter. Um, yeah. from the jump, they have listened to every episode. They've watched every live I've ever done. Um, they're very proud of this project and, mm-hmm. um, it's it's an interesting thing for me because what's up to your parents? Yeah, yeah. What's going on, mom and dad? Terry, Terry, shout out. Um, and uh, it's an interesting thing for me because like because of this idea that I know they're listening and that I know that they support the podcast and they listen to every episode and they share it around and they do all these things. I'm always sometimes hesitant to talk about certain elements of like of my. Um, of my childhood and I had a great, I've said this, you know, I've said this to you, I've said this to a lot of people, yeah. a good childhood. I really, you know, comparatively to a lot mm. and I don't mean to compare it's yeah. it's even joy and all this stuff. <laughs> but like, I, I just objectively had two loving parents who affe- showed affection to each other, showed affection to us, would admit they when they were wrong. Um, good parents, you put them on a, you were going to give them a grade card, you know, they're, they're yeah. bang up. Um, but, and I, they made mistakes, but they made, and they made <laughs> mistakes. And yeah. that's the thing is like, it's it's something that I've kind of had to like orient myself to certain conversations where I've had to be like this is this is my space this mm-hmm. is like the podcast this is what I love and like I'm going to talk openly and then so it's actually this podcast and talking openly about these things 
has been a nice introduction to actually having a conversation mm. with my family. It's it's do you find it's um it's funny because when I when I finished therapy, um my partner Maddie, she'll always ask me how therapy was. Mm -hmm. And she's sometimes like feels like she's fishing a little bit like right. what'd you talk about today <laughs> yeah. um but i know she's not and she's she's just genuinely uh she genuinely cares yeah um and like i mean obviously sometimes i a lot of times i talk about her and yeah and i oh, and and i'm not sometimes i'm not prepared to talk to her about what i talked about because i'm still figuring it out myself yeah um but i have noticed that some of the stuff that that really like like strikes an emotional chord with me that I don't bring up one-on-one -on -one with her. If I'm out at dinner with like a couple friends and mm. she's there mm. and somebody's like, Hey, and we start talking about therapy and something comes up that I want to share with them and she's there. Right. I'll share it in a group setting. Interesting. I don't know why, because it feels so much more intimate doing it one-on-one -on -one, that it feels mm. a little bit easier for me to be vulnerable with a few people mm. where like somebody else can pick up on something and, and like take it in another direction yes. or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I don't know. Like it's, it's i feel like it's do you find it easier easier quote unquote yeah, to yeah. to talk to like me about your parents yes, knowing dude. they're listening <laughs> yeah then then like just sit with them face um, to face and go hey here are the things that i'm yeah, thinking yeah yeah 100 <laughs> and i think like yes for sure it is it is actually funny and that's the thing is like i've actually only recently started having kind of conversations because i think that like i'm at the stage of my life where like i'm around like you know i'm 20 24 like i'm at this stage where a lot of the people in my life are starting to become more aware of how their parents like shape them. And so it's becoming this, like it's becoming more of a conversation that I'm having with my friends, with my girlfriend, with like all of these people, you know, the guests on the podcast. Um, so it's something that I just, I find that I'm talking more about. So it's actually, I'm actually kind of in the middle of it right now. where like, yeah, I'm kind of exploring this myself where it's like, you know, I, I, I'm really for I have a good dialogue with my parents um, and I'll ask them like about, you know, parenting styles and how they thought about this decision they made in their life and that decision. And, um, and it's nice, but like, I think the idea of like sitting down and just having like a, like a really like good deep chat with my parents is something that I'm still kind of like, yeah, it's out there. It's I, definitely something yeah, it's, I want to do for sure. But I find it so much easier to, to, to do it where like, like, yeah, I've, I've got some confidence in my, my dad or my mom's like in the car listening to this right now. But yet this idea of just like, yeah, chatting with you about it, just see, it does, it seems easier, easier with yeah. like quotation marks, easier, yeah. It's it's funny because it reminds me of uh, when we, so when we started Sick Boy, um, we were having all these conversations with people who were sick. My mom got her cancer diagnosis like a year and a half um, after we had started the show. And at that time, uh, CBC wanted to do a little documentary about the podcast. And so we had this like uh, director who was, who was kind of coming in, sitting with us and filming a lot of the podcast episodes and and uh and he knew that my mom had just been diagnosed with cancer and a few times early on in the production he was like so have you talked to your mom about her cancer i was like uh yeah like mostly about treatment stuff but not yeah. like not about the emotional mm. things mm. he's like that's so interesting because like of like the three guys on sick well you probably talk about your feelings the most like you haven't really talked to her about her feelings like yeah really <laughs> um that fuck i probably should yeah and he's like he's like do you think we could do you think i could film it <laughs> and i'm like oh fuck that sounds hard <laughs> yeah. but but like he gave me this like push that i needed right to go and have that conversation with my mom and they actually mm. filmed it it was part of the documentary and it was like 
man, it feels, it's so crazy how good it feels to have those conversations. Mm. It's so hard to start them. Yes. Like, it's so hard to, like, set up the time or know when, it, it's, <laughs> when it's okay to, like, broach the topic and, yeah. and talk about, you know, how we truly feel. But mm. once you get going and, like, afterwards, holy fuck, it feels good. Now, what a conversation, right? You're sitting there. It's been, that was chicken noodle soup for the soul. That was just like a warm cup of tea. It was, that was fantastic, right? And you're sitting there and you're like, God, oh, I wish I could hear these guys talk for another 20 minutes. And then, and you're probably even thinking, hell, I wish I could watch these guys talk for 20 minutes, but Kyle doesn't do video podcasts. Well, guess what? This is the big reveal. I've teed it up and I'm about to knock it out of the park. Here's the big drop. All right. People who are just starting podcasting, take notes. That's how you set it up. It's called a setup and a knockdown. Right. We're dropping a Patreon. On May 11th, we're going to uh, we're going to be starting up a Patreon page uh, to help support the podcast, help support some mental health initiatives, and uh, do some good as a community. So, if you want to uh, become a, a a registered patron of uh, Life's Rec Podcast, you can check out at Life's Rec Podcast over on Instagram for all the details. But who cares about that right now? Because that's my guy, man. Huge shout out to Brian for coming on the podcast um, and uh, just facilitating just such a wonderful conversation. Uh, and uh, yeah, the first piece of content we're dropping on the Patreon and an exclusive 20 minute additional, the interview after the interview, uh, 20 minute video interview with, uh, with Brian. So that's going to be a, uh, that's going to be a good one. Um, and just like, you know what I mean? That was, that was, to kick us back off in this this bi-weekly release schedule, that's exactly what I needed. That was just, if you had told my younger self, this is so funny, talk, talking about mental health week, if you had told my younger self, you sat him down, you're like, hey buddy, one day you're going to sit down on a couch um, with a uh, you know with, with an incredible podcaster and you guys are going to shoot the breeze about mental health and therapy as so i would have just i would have fucking imploded i would have just i wouldn't have had you know any idea what to do but that was just a good pure chat and we just we at life Sarek, we love a good chat it's what we've been doing you know when we were banging rocks together trying to make fire you know thousands hundreds of thousands of years ago we're just chatting you know it's, it's what we've always done and uh you know it's it's uh it's a privilege to keep the uh to keep the tradition going uh and then i hope that as you go into this week that you all have some great chats in your own lives as well and i've been waiting to say this for way too long but just remember that through all of the good chats the bad ones the ups and downs the good times and the bad that life's a wreck and i'll see you in two weeks Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 
Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.